Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John. My co-host is Andy. And in an episode filled with things that did not happen this week on Survivor, we lost someone that was barely there anyway. It's finally Chelsea's boot episode, ending our long national nightmare of discussing Chelsea's relevance to this season. Andy, how hyped are you to talk some Chelsea? You think it's over? This ain't never going to be over. The Chelsea discussion will last until the heat death of the universe. Because apparently it is a new thing in Survivor that some contestants don't appear on it very much. It went very meta because they started asking Chelsea about how invisible she was in exit interviews and even asked Probst about it. Probably a total coincidence, but Probst came up with the answer that, you know, there are a lot of people, there is a limited amount of screen time, and they need to show the most important stories, and Chelsea's was not one of them. Hmm. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Yeah. That's what happens always, you know, and I think a lot of people are like, well, how do they prevent this from happening in the future? My answer is don't. If you suck on the show and you're meaningless, you don't get to be on it. They owe you nothing more than what you get when you're out there. They, She got to play a game. She had a great experience, I'm sure. Or, I mean, I guess I'm not sure. What do I know? <laughs> you really have no information as to what sort of experience she had. I mean, she doesn't seem particularly bitter in the exit interviews. I believe she did by email or something. Cause, I, I'm uh, just saying on screen, you had no evidence of how she enjoyed the experience because she was barely on screen. But you know what experience she did get? A family visit. Oh, the beloved family visit episode. I, I know everyone was super hyped for this because we all love the overly melodramatic reunification of people with their family and or assistant coaches, loved ones, whomever. Yeah, and uh, I think we actually talked about this in the preseason, or at least I did, and frankly, I only remember the things I talk about, is that I don't know if family visits are going to have the same impact, if you indeed believe that they have impact, uh, when we're casting a bunch of like fresh out of the college or not even yet in college students, right? It's a bunch of people in their 20s. It's a season of, what, three parents and a few, you know... Uh, maybe even fewer than that, uh, married people. And if, of course, if we're going to follow the Terry Dietz order of uh, priority when it comes to uh, family visits, oh. there's not a lot there. And I got to say, it kind of bore out. There wasn't much there for this one. It was just a bunch of people like, yeah, my sibling. Well, I mean, for people who may not be familiar with the Terry Dietz order of family priority, or I'm sorry, uh, family visit priority, we should go over this because back in Panama... Terry Dietz got into a very entertaining argument with young Aris about the most important people to be visiting you on a family visit. And there was a hierarchy in the mind of Terry Dietz. And number one is the family that you choose, your spouse. That is top of the list. Second place is the family that you produce, your children. And then third place is the family that produced you, your parents. So if you've got spouses out there... That visit is way more important than anything else. And then anything past parents is just like a piece of shit that's not worth your time. Yeah, and obviously it was laughable when Terry Dietz did that because it was just along with his, you know, pig-headed obliviousness. It's terrible social play to be telling people your um, you know, emotional bonds and needs aren't as strong as others. Um Yeah, the, what he should not should have done is not acted like it was an easy decision when he had to make it. All that said, 
Uh, I'm just going to let in on this little secret. It might be unpopular. I think Terry Dietz is right. <laughs> Obviously, there are personal exceptions and all that, and it's why you don't say the quiet part loud. But, I mean, come on. Just think of, like, Survivor fans. Are people out there uh, emotionally connecting to when people's brothers came on? No. The brothers and sisters are the comic relief in the history of these family visits. And, yeah, the moments that they wait for is spouses. If, yeah, we I, Everybody knew Dominic would be last because he's the only one with one. Everybody's waiting for that big sloppy tears and kiss and, oh, and even the... The players themselves, of course, they're super excited to see their own family members. But aside from their own, they're always like really excited for people to be reunited with their spouses. So it's you know not nice that he said that, but you know it's it's kind of true. My interest, as so much as I have one when watching this, is yeah, I want to see spouses together. I don't yeah, and then you know parents with children. And what might be interesting is if um, older Aris might agree with him now. Hey, yeah, we should uh, check back in with Aris and see if he, he now subscribes to the Terry Deeds hierarchy. And you know which one I don't care about at all? Mm. Boyfriends and girlfriends. <laughs> don't mean to nothing unless it got a ring. Especially since we know that this uh, contestants on this show have a dubious history in introducing boyfriends. <laughs> when they're sometimes guy I met on the plane, you know? So, uh, do you know what I care about almost as much as spouse? I was really hoping you weren't going to say assistant coaches there. I was going to be so offended. No, assistant coaches right near spouse. Right. So. That's about as close of a loving relationship as you could possibly have with another human being. But see, if I was picking, I mean, no, I, honestly, if I'm picking, it's completely strategic on who I need to, you know, try and keep close and all of that. But yeah, like, I bet everybody out there on that island would have picked Dominic. Other than maybe Angela, because yeah, he did try to vote her out that one time. Although she doesn't appear to hold grudges. Um, hey, speaking of picks, though... One of the things that maybe turned some people uh, on Donathan and Wendell was the fact that Sebastian did not pick Kellen, Chelsea, Angela, or Laurel to go on the reward. Instead, he picked Donathan and Wendell, who seemed to be his best buds all of a sudden. Did that surprise you at all? I mean, it surprised me in the sense... Actually, first off, no, it didn't surprise me. Because, as I said, everybody was going to pick Dominic because of the Terry Dietz order priority that nobody wants to admit to that they behold. But everybody kind of does. And then, yeah, I kind of felt like most people were going to pick Wendell, too. Because, you know, he seems to be everybody's best friend. In fact, I put this on a Twitter poll. You know, how many people out there weren't going to pick both of them? And, you know, after some thought, I, my only answer might be Angela. Because, again, they both voted for her earlier in the game. Um, so that didn't surprise me. I suppose that Sebastian considers them his top allies, if that's even true, because maybe he was just picking out people to hang out with. Um, and that's because we don't know anything about Sebastian. And this, of course, is where the people right now are probably just like wanting to scream into their phones. This is what I've been telling you. We, I, it's hard to know what's going on in the game without knowing what's up with Sebastian. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second, but. Uh, I think the more important question, because when they make this decision, now Kellen leaps into action. It's no longer Navidi strong. It's time to flip this game. And I think the important question to ask is, would she have done any of that if Sebastian just picks her instead of Donathan? Um, you know, I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt and say yes, that this was just her using this as the sort of Trojan horse for the delivery of her plan that she always had. I don't know that Kellen deserves that kind of credit. I think, remember when Desiree had that interview and she uh, said she thought someone else was going to get Chelsea's edit? I kind of think she meant Kellen. 
maybe, but it's kind of odd that then Desiree would turn around and, you know, consider her the most dangerous. Type. Um, yeah, I don't need to give her any benefit of the doubt. I think this is solely 100% was hurt feelings. And frankly, that's why Survivor does it. That's why Survivor has people pick people for rewards in the hope that somebody will then turn around and make an emotional decision, which might introduce some, you know, interest in the game one way or another. Uh, and yeah, Shockingly, uh, Kellen made a, a rash, uh, emotional decision based on, you know, things that are happening. Cause that hasn't been her story at all. Uh, yeah, no, I think if, and part of it is also because she probably believes Sebastian was close with her. So in some ways it was a slap in the face. It was, you know, a, a Marquesa moment where it's like, I'm on the bottom. No, I'll show you. And what's, in- and what's interesting and what, um, fuels my belief that this was a purely emotional decision is she kept blaming Wendell and Dominic for this when none of it was their decision. Uh, well, it got laid on a little thicker by the fact that Wendell was like, yeah, I'm going to go take that advantage. Thanks, bro. You know, it wasn't even just that they got the family reward is that the rich got richer. I don't, I'm not positive that she knows about the idol, but from exit interviews, it sounds like a lot more people know about that idol than we suspected. It sounds like everybody knows about both idols. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that she knows he's getting another advantage was probably like, oh, this guy, he just keeps getting all the luck. Um, whereas Kellen herself had an advantage that she played last week and you would actually suggested, oh, she might want that this coming week. She could have used that double vote this week if she could have somehow pulled Donathan to her side. And after watching this episode, I don't know that she could have done it. What do you think? Uh, no, I don't think Donathan's making a move without Laurel. Right. That was my logic, too. People can you know, judge him for that. Like, yeah, he's not sticking up for himself or he needs to break free from her. But no. Uh, and this isn't me defending Donathan so much as... There's been no move possible for the minority to make that doesn't involve Laurel, which is why none of them have happened. You know, it's just like she he can't break from her because her vote is also necessary for these things to happen. I suppose, yes, in the scenario you laid out where Kellen not only has a double vote, but will then tell people about it, which she wouldn't do last week. Um, then Donathan has an opportunity to do something, but... I don't know that you jump to a side where you have no other allies. Uh, it's not the best move. Unless, of course, the alternative is just losing, which we'll get into as well. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, Kellen gets no credit for me and don't talk to me uh, once her exit interviews comes out and she tries to pretend like uh, this was purely a strategic move that she was planning all along because uh, I will never believe it. Uh, is one thing. And for two, I, there's no reason why I should. If she had a strategy to take out Wendell and, uh, Dominic, um, last week, she could have done it last week. It was a bit easy. She had an advantage, two votes. She had Michael telling her, let's vote for Wendell. No, she had no intention to vote against Wendell or Dominic until she missed out on a reward. She didn't get to hang out with her dorky brother. That's what turned it around for her and, don't ever tell me anything different because I will never believe it because I'm right. Oh, we kind of briefly mentioned the, uh, the Dominic thing or the, sorry, the Sebastian's sudden closeness or uh, seemingly sudden closeness, I should say, with Dominic and Wendell. You know, people were very interested in knowing the thoughts of these underrepresented characters, the Chelsea's, the Sebastian, the Angela's of the world. We got to learn a little bit about Sebastian and the fact that he thinks he has this closeness i guess 
with Dominic and Wendell. And possibly even Jonathan. Possibly Jonathan. Um, do you think this somehow adds more interest to the game now that we know this about No, Sebastian? less! It adds less! This is what I was getting at. It actively subtracts interest from the yes. end game. And this is one of the things I was getting at when apparently I was just being a big meanie is n- more of these people aren't going to necessarily add what you're looking for. You're placing the blame on the wrong part. And you know, obviously more of these people for one would add more of boring people. But even if people were like, it doesn't matter that they're boring. We need to know their motivations right now. It looks like it's a clear shot for Dominic and Wendell. Yeah, that's what knowing Sebastian's motivations would have told us. And it's like, oh, wow, they have even more control over the game than what we previously thought. Yeah, at least there was some plausible deniability before. This kind of hung a lantern on the fact that Dominic and Wendell really do have a walk to the finish. Yeah, like I think before people probably had it in their head because like one secret scene came out and because they were on the first two tribes together that Sebastian might be more of a, a target or a, a pawn for Kellen, as though Kellen is somebody who can properly use pawns. Um, no, he wasn't ever. And hey, you got to go this far believing it. And now you don't even get that anymore. So now we know that they have Sebastian on lock. We know, uh, without a doubt this week, but there hasn't been any doubt for me that they have Laurel on lock. So how do you feel now? Maybe the editors can't make something out of nothing. Maybe, yeah, they I, they would like to. Of course they would like to. This is a show that will pretend like there's actually two viable options for votes whenever they can, when in reality, it often never really was. Maybe they haven't been showing what those people's plans are, because those plans aren't going to add any interest to the season, both because A, they never come to fruition, and B, because they're not particularly elaborate. Um. The the one thing that this did change for me is it kind of makes me wonder if maybe Sebastian is Dominic and Wendell's third. It could be possible that Laurel and Donathan are just being dragged along and then they get to the end and they're like, no, I'd really much rather go up against Sebastian because I don't want to have a protest vote available for you guys. I mean, it's entirely possible. I think, you know, they are wise to have options. Uh, I think for a while, Chelsea probably believed she was with them, both because, you know, she worked with Dominic and the Bradley vote off and because earlier in the season, and I know this doesn't count because it was, uh, during a scene where a lot of people were instead of confessionals, which as we all know is the only important metric for visibility on Survivor. But at a tribal council, she was saying, if you don't know that you're in the, you know, the main, uh, majority, you're an idiot or something to that effect. Uh, yeah, the exact words escaped me because she was speaking and thus I was getting sleepy. Um, she didn't, man. She didn't know at all. So unless her plan thought was that she was in a majority with Laurel and Donathan, I don't think so. So at some point, she probably thought she was with Wendell and Dominic too. And that's it. More of this would have just told us what we already know. That Wendell and Dominic are dominating a season of people who are not very good at Survivor. One of the reasons that they're dominating is because of your girl, Laurel. And did you think at all while watching this episode that there was some chance that she was going to flip on no, them? Not even a little bit. Not even yeah. for a second. And obviously a lot of that is because of my prior stances, which was all the way back in the Desiree vote when I was telling y'all, I was telling you guys um, that it wasn't going to happen. And you didn't want to believe me because you think that I had some kind of vendetta against her when uh, the only person in Survivor I care about is me. Um, but no, I didn't believe it at all. And I think there was actually stuff in this very episode that didn't make me believe it. How about yourself? Oh, yeah. Not remotely. She's 
frustratingly risk averse. Like it's, it's grating how risk averse she is. Um, she's just, she's going to keep waiting for that chance until the chance doesn't exist anymore. And it's, it's so painful to watch. Like I, I think she still believes she has an actual path to victory. And I like, even after this vote, and I, I think she, sees that path to victory for herself, but somehow doesn't appreciate how much harder it's getting the longer she kicks the can down the road. And like this, this was such an opportunity to get rid of a front runner and an immunity idol in one vote. And she just punted and she's going to keep punting until it's impossible to punt anymore. Yeah. And the other reason, as I said, for this specific episode, why I never believed that it was going to be her. And frankly, I don't even need the edit that has broadcast pretty clearly who the two winner candidates are. One of which was, you know, in the line of fire. Cause frankly, you know, Wendell could have gone home. It just means that Dominic's winning this season. Right. Um, but when she was talking about the possibility of flipping, there was a catch in her voice as though the very concept of taking that risk terrified her. I heard it and it was just like, like, yeah. And it was a, frankly, a fairly human moment for her, but it told me, no, she's not flipping. She is never flipping. And that interview she gave where she was talking about how, you know, if I, you know, don't take out one of them, I, I won't win. But if I do, I might not get a chance to win. That was on the, se- the episode and the season for a very specific reason. And that reason is that in one quick thing, she highlighted the very Probstian, you know, idea of how to compete in Survivor in, of course, a negative way. If he bothers to talk to anybody at the reunion, he will bring this up as a way of underscoring that you need to play to win. And she did not and will not. Yeah. Again, there, there's just been so many opportunities for her and I can, I can understand defending her previous inaction because it's like, oh, you know, she'll have other chances. She'll have other chances. At a certain point, those chances are running out. Just do something. Like, even if, even if you think like, no, actually the next vote is perfect. Okay. But this is the next closest to perfect. Just do it now. You don't know what's going to happen at the next vote. Just do it now. It it was just maddening. And I think that a big part of her motivation was that she didn't want to flip and align with Kellen. Like, I think it really bothered her that Kellen used a double vote on her. And that somehow made her think like, well, I, I can't trust Kellen now, so I can't possibly flip to her side. And that's just maddening to me. It was mostly maddening about it. Who did she vote for? Exactly. That's not even all. There was actually, um, Someone on Twitter this week, I think it was Ari Ferrari, who said, what's more important, trusting the person uh, that you're working with or like having that? I don't think he even put it this way. But basically, the point was, do you need to trust the people that you're with or do you need to take the chance to win? Take the chance to win. Because in this case, you have common goals. That's just as valuable as trust. Like you, you both have a very predictable path. You're going to need each other. So whether you trust each other or not doesn't really matter because you're both going to vote the same way just out of necessity. <laughs> like there's there's no reason to worry that you're going to get betrayed because you both have the same targets in mind. Just follow that path and see where it takes you. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that she had earlier chances and why people might have defended her. And frankly, this 
it gives me another chance for uh, what I love more than anything, and that's I told you so. Is, mm. is this is what I'm getting at? Like every season, all the goddamn time, everybody thinks they have so much time to make moves. And what's miraculous for Laurel is she actually has. Most people don't. Most people get that one shot. Yep. Most people have Desiree handing you the game on a silver platter, and you pass that up. That was it. That's when you lost. I don't care if it's final eleven or final thirteen or final five. You can't always expect that it's going to turn around for you. And that's when I, you know, felt she blew it. But miraculously, she's had multiple opportunities since then. And people, it's it's actually a little baffling for me that this is the week where people seem to be finally, like, jumping ship on Laurel. And maybe it's just because of the accumulation of opportunities that she's seen go by that you can only defend it every week for so long. Because frankly... She could still do it next week. I know. It's so maddening because you just keep thinking like, please, you just, you have to take a shot. She's like Kobe that time that he just kept passing the ball instead of shooting because he was pissed. Like, just take a shot. Just come on. It's right there. Take yeah, the shot. Instead, be like Kobe every other time when he'll just shoot it no matter what. Right. Uh, just jack it. But, uh, <laughs> phrasing. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, she could next week would be fine as well. Uh, in fact, you could argue that it would be a better opportunity than this week in some respects because she'd be flipping to a side where four versus three as opposed to, uh, where she and Donathan would be outnumbered five versus three. Uh, you know, it would be, you know, her and Donathan. Kellen and Angela. Now, obviously, one problem that could get in the way of jumping next week is I don't know how many times you can fool Kellen on this uh, and have her expect to do it. If I'm Kellen and uh, she approaches me for flipping next week, I probably try and sell her out just like she sold out Desiree. But the time, the best opportunity was the Desiree one because Desiree was handing her a potential majority uh, with the worst people in the game. And that, you know, and the, the opportunity that Desiree handed, who are your threats? Michael, who is such an easy threat, uh, that you should be able to get him because everybody would know he's a threat and uh, Desiree herself. But otherwise, you know, it would have been like, Hey, do you want to come team up with, you know, Angela, Chelsea and me? Yes, 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 yes. That's what I would do. Jenna, sure. Libby, or I guess Libby was already gone. Um, but yeah, that, that you can't just always expect that a better opportunity is going to happen. You can't always think that you have a chance to win the game because you're still in it. And what's, yeah, I think extra maddening, and maybe this is what made people finally turn on her, is she seems to know it, and she still ain't going to do it. And, I mean, it's just a phrase in gambling. Scared money don't make money. Eventually, you need to put yourself out there in order to win, and this is where the anti-big move survivor, who, frankly, probably don't listen to this podcast, I would hope, would be like, no, you don't. That's just that's just you wanting big moves. It's a social game. You just got to play a social game. Tell me how many more winners versus Losing finalists we have of people who have never made a move. Yes, you don't necessarily need to be shooting off the hips everywhere. Although, if you start looking at who's going to win this season, I and who won last season, I would love for you to keep telling me that you don't need to make big moves to win Survivor. But sure, you don't need to, but it helps. Uh, yeah, she's, she's not going to win. There's no way. Like I, I, her path for the finals, and I don't know why I'm arguing this, I don't think there's many people out there who still believe she's going to win, is she is going to get destroyed by a jury who every one of them is like, I tried to work with you. Why wouldn't you take these two out? Anybody who goes to the finals with Wendell and or Dominic will be uh, blamed for the fact that they didn't do what everybody else knew needed to be done. Yep. And then in this case, if the thing that held her back was having to work with Kellen, come on. Even if you're 
still bitter about being voted or catching votes from Kellen. Kellen, we've seen, is gullible. She's paranoid. She's easily manipulable. Like, that is very useful if you're playing against her, whether she's your temporary ally or not, whatever. I don't feel like Kellen is such an obstacle to work with. You know, you'll have common interests for a couple votes. And then at that point, are you really worried? Maybe at some point you say, Kellen, I don't, I don't know about the Sebastian guy. He, he came, to, came to me with a plan. He's going to take you out. And he found the idol. <gasps> what? He does? Come on. That would work. I don't get being afraid to flip to Kellen's side because Kellen is so beatable and I think so potentially useful, not necessarily as a pawn, but as someone that you can manipulate in ways that are beneficial. Yeah, and some people were like, well, I think Dominic's immunity win might have thrown that off because now it's only one idol, blah, blah, blah. They don't know who it's coming from. Who cares? Who cares if Wendell plays his idol? It doesn't matter. And right. yeah, she's like, if she was afraid, if she had won immunity, no, no, she has immunity. You know how she has an immunity? Two sides are telling her which way they're going to vote, and neither of them are saying you. They're not going to vote you out. If you lose because Wendell plays his idol and Chelsea goes home, big whoop. Who cares? That, that's collateral damage you're willing to accept because Chelsea wasn't yours anyway. And people are like, well, now Wendell and Dominic know you turned on them. Again, who cares? You have more people than them still because they no longer have you. People stop being so goddamn afraid. I don't, what I didn't, I understand why she might be afraid. I'm going to get into this in a second. I don't get it for why survivor fans on their couches are afraid for these people. Why are you afraid for people try to win? And it just makes me think that these are a bunch of people who would have been like cheering for the Mike Fratello cabs in the nineties or something. It's like, no, no, no. Scoring is, oh, that's scary. We got to run out every shot clock and play, you know, grind it out defense. That's what like the, oh, I don't want to see any big moose crowd is to me. It's just a bunch of people who like love the trap in hockey. You play to win because you're probably going to lose. That's how it goes in Survivor. Whereas we, on the other hand, are the seven seconds or less crowd that are like, yes, big move. Just do it. Just try it. See what happens. Obviously, too many big moves is a problem. People have gotten voted out of this game because they took a big swing and missed and, you know, sometimes laughably missed. People who uh, uh, deride and just take joy in people who, you know, took big moves and left. And sometimes it's us too, right? Like somebody uh, does something idiotic, we're going to laugh at it. Yeah, sure. But it's people who are are afraid to look bad. Yeah, they think that, like, you know, striking out looking is worse than striking out swinging. And no, and it's just not, okay? Yes. You don't want to just make moves haphazardly, but you got to do something. You know who doesn't need to make moves to win? The person in the lead. Yeah, if you're in the lead, yeah, sure, absolutely. Play your prevent defense. But if you know that you're behind, and obviously it's not always easy in Survivor to know who's in behind. You know when it is easy in Survivor? When every person who comes up to you and says, we got to take this guy out or he will win. When somebody says, we got to take this guy out or who will win, or... We got to take this woman out or she will win. That person's going to win if you don't take him out. Because once you get to the finals and that person's still standing, everybody's kind of like, oh, that's what we said. I've never heard the, 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 the front runner when we keep getting that scene not win if they get to the end. Cause it's just almost, it's like being the number one rated team preseason in college sports and getting to the end undefeated. You're still going to be number one. Everybody had already made yep. that decision. Um, 
But, you know, I guess to fear for the contestants. Because, yes, I don't understand why, you know, you know, all of us on our freaking keyboards are so scared to, uh, you know, try. What if she tries and fails? Cool. Then she'll be like most people. Right. Well, here was the other thing. It's like they're going to – you're worried that you're going to out yourselves to Dominic and Wendell that you're not on their side anymore. Jonathan was basically trying to do that at Tribal Council. Like, I don't really know what his end goal was. I had a suspicion of what it was, and he – later confirmed on Twitter, nope, that's not what he was doing. Uh, his whole goal, he claims, at Tribal Council, and I'm going to believe this because this is not the wisest thing to have done, he was just trying to make Dominic and Wendell feel bad, to make them feel like he had felt all game as potentially someone that could get targeted for being on the bottom. That was his whole goal. Maybe. I mean, uh, I'd say the one thing is you're extrapolating that it meant for Wendell and Dominic and not necessarily maybe for Kellen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he wanted them all to feel that. He wanted the Navidis to feel what the Malolos have had to feel all game, largely due to just the random luck of the season. Uh, is that strategic? I mean, I suppose you could stretch to argue it's like, hey, if people can feel a little uncomfortable, they won't make the right decisions. But no, I think it was mostly just personal. And uh, since he wasn't going to be able to do anything else this this episode due to uh, the reluctance of his partner, I mean, I guess it's something. I, it's not as dumb as it looked as it was happening because most people, when they were watching, were assuming, I don't know why, but were assuming that uh, they were voting for Wendell. Um, I was, when I was watching, I'm like, like you, I was like, is he trying to flush an idol? Yeah. That, that was my one thought is that he, the reason he was doing that is that he wasn't going to vote for Wendell, but he wanted to see the idol played at least, which would have been the wise thing to do, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Frankly, it's just, he, good for him for being so honest. Maybe that's just an extension of it. Honest on Twitter, honest there. He basically just always tells the truth at Tribal Council. Uh, because, yeah, I would have been like, hey, of course I was trying to flush an aisle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, that was what I had planned to do. And it's so easy when you get back and Wendell will be like, dude, what are you saying? It's like, I wasn't talking about you. And they can, yeah. Now, I, I think a downside for doing that is, um, it might not play well, unless you can turn around and say, oh, I was totally getting rid of his idol. Then it plays great. But otherwise, it might just feed into the idea of like, oh, man, Donathan will just say anything. Yeah. He's, he's not smart enough for this game. Which, I mean, I suppose if you're still playing under the radar is an asset, I would suggest that uh, it's no longer the time to play under the radar. Um, we've moved on, but I do want to quickly have one last thought about Laurel, uh, because it might actually be a more interesting discussion than Andy yells at people uh, about things he's been saying forever. <laughs> Which, I mean, I love to do, but, um, on our, on our website, uh, within the discussion of, uh, Laurel's inaction, uh, our friend Blurry Denzel, uh, made, I think, you know, a good comment, uh, that I would like to share and then comment on myself. That is, uh, that he completely understands Laurel. He gets the feeling of never taking leaps and going with safe choices. Uh, but Survivor isn't made to be comfortable. Uh, which I think is an excellent point. Uh, is probably a nicer way of saying the things that I'm always harping on. Why I don't frame discussions like that is because, yes, of course, everybody's, you know, shortcomings on Survivor is, not I mean, most everybody, I should say, is based on their humanity, on the people that they are. And, you know, some of their, their personal foibles or sometimes even their personal virtues, right? Uh, but we don't 
hold back on people that we hadn't already decided were favorites of. And I, you know, if you're the type to give Laurel the benefit of the doubt in this scenario, because it is completely understandable why she is afraid to do this. Frankly, it's how I had her pegged in the first place is that it's like, oh, she just seems like a risk averse person, a reserved type person. Is I hope you've also extended that same courtesy. And when it comes to, you know, our commenter here, Blurry Denzel, maybe he has, uh, to people in the past, like, you know, Natty Lily Tenerelli or, uh, you know, Woo, uh, or, uh, you know, people like that. Many people have failed to make a move and were ruthlessly insulted and being memed as a result of it amongst the survivor community. And, uh, if I've, I'm sure I've done that in the past and I will continue to do it. And the way I can maintain that is also by doing it to the people that seem, you know, nice people and smart, you know, everybody makes mistakes on the show. And the easiest way for me to comment on it is to not worry about who they are and to treat them like contestants in a, in a game and characters on a TV show. Because yeah, I mean, they're all people. They're all making honest mistakes in difficult situations. It's true of the people that, you know, you don't like as much as it's true of the people you do like. Yeah. And I, there was actually a comment that came up this week about like, who would you most want to have a drink with from this cast? And actually my two picks would probably be Laurel and Donathan. Not that I would ever want to have a drink with the survivor, but if I did, they seem like the most, you know, interesting conversations that you could have, you know, talking to those two. Not that you'd ever want to drink uh, with the Survivor, huh? Is that what you're going with, real? For real? That, that, that's, that's, that's what you? I'm going to go with. Let's just, let's just let that die. Um, you threw me off. Um, Laurel, I, I like, I think she's probably a interesting person, but man, is she screwing up on Survivor. Donathan, I actually had really low expectations for in terms of how well he'd play Survivor. And I think he's kind of exceeded those expectations. I thought he would just be an entertaining character who would be pretty bad at this game. I think he's got some instincts, but I think that much like you said earlier, he's kind of like hitched his wagon to the Laurel train. And that's a bad analogy. I don't think that's how it goes. Anyway, he's decided to hitch himself to the wrong person because she ain't going to move and he needs her to move. Yeah, and that's the key. He needs her. Yes. His there ha, he has yet to be in a situation where he could do any of the moves he wants to do without her vote. And frankly, that's also been true of you know Michael and Kellen and Desiree. Like everybody's needed her. Frankly, it's true of the player that's going to win this season. Everybody's needed her, and she ain't budging, man. She's got her path, and it's a solid path. It's. Uh, it's a safe path. I, yeah, you were wondering, is Sebastian in her final three plans? I think maybe he's a, a, a possibility. I think they want to go to the end with Laurel because why would you not want to go to the end with Laurel? Right. She, I think she has probably backed her way into being, uh, the least likely person to win this season as a result of her inaction. I don't think that was true, you know, three votes ago, but I think it's true now because I'm you now every person that goes on the jury, probably has somebody to blame for being there and it might be her uh which yeah obviously sometimes that's incredibly unfair of the jury in that like i'm here to make my choices and play for me not for you yeah 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 yeah. of course guess what juries are really unfair they're more concerned about how (laughs) things worked for them than it is for you um and so yeah i I would love to go against Laurel in the finals. Whereas, you know, why I wouldn't maybe want to go Sebastian. I mean, I wouldn't worry about going against him in the finals. Uh, but I might want him out earlier because he might not take me 
or he might prevent me from going. Although, you know, his uh, ability at challenges is you know, rumor more than anything, and that's well, an odd thing to say uh, the episode after he won one. But yeah, uh, one thing that's uh, maybe impressive this episode was Wendell, in that, once again... He should feel like he's the heat is coming. He should feel like he's a target. The episode made him think seem like he was a target. He got votes, and he did not play his idol. What do you make of that? Um, I would give him more credit, but I think considering what we know about Laurel, she probably told him she was rock solid with him, and he's like, "All right, then I'm safe." Like I think Laurel basically blew it I, again. This is just speculation because we didn't see this on the actual episode because it would have totally ruined the vote. But my guess is he was pretty confident that he still had Laurel and Donathan on his side. Because why would he not be? They've always been on his side. I, if it were me, I probably still would have played it. But I'm a little more paranoid, apparently, than Wendell is. How much credit do you give him? Yeah, I'm kind of there, too. And I think I've written as much. And look, maybe, maybe, I don't know. As you say, we don't know. But as it keeps happening and he's more and more secure, I feel like it's because the person who is necessary to make him insecure is making him feel secure. And frankly, if she was like a superior social player, we'd be like, man, she made him believe that and then voted against him. But no, she makes him believe that because she's not going to vote for him. Maybe she's even telling him they're voting for you, but don't worry, I'm not. Right. Uh, and each time that it's come up. And yeah, I mean, if he believes that she is somebody that's not going to ever turn on him, um, he's probably right to believe that. So yeah, uh, we don't know, you know, and maybe it is impressive. It gets back to my earlier thing though, that it's like, I'm starting to feel like, can we criticize anyone for not playing an idol when it's like, basically when you're right, you look great. And when you're bad, you're like, or when you're wrong, you look like an idiot because, you know, by all, you know, non, uh, results based logic, this is three times when it's like, you should have played your idol, man. But no. Yeah, I, I I would not have faulted him at any point if he'd played the idol. And I can't give him too much credit for holding on to it. I mean, again, I probably would have played it by now. But that that's me. I would much rather play it and miss than not yeah. play it. So It's kind of the inverse of our, you know, make a move thing. I would rather, you know, try and fail than not try at all. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I think there's... Um, a strong possibility that the reason why he's not playing his idol is because he knows that the votes aren't there because one of the necessary votes has been assuring it. I'm of it. And, um, truthfully not lying to him. It's kind of like when people were worried that like, why is Sarah, you know, not playing a certain thing at a certain time. And it turns out it's because she knew that Brad Culpepper would never, Oh, it's like, why didn't she vote for, um, to force a tie between Ty and, you know, whoever it was, Troy or Brad. And the reason was, is because she had Brad Culpepper's Pepper's wedding ring in her hand. Like, I think it's possible that Wendell just has all the assurance he needs. It's not because he's, you know, this amazing ability to read the entire room. It's reading one exact person is all he's needed to do. And it might not be the most difficult thing to do. Frankly, it might be why they're in a rock solid uh, alliance with her in the first place. Uh, instead, Chelsea went home. Yeah. One, speaking of people who might be hard to read. Yeah. Was this the right call? Because obviously our, uh, what we think of Chelsea is not very highly. Um, so then in that turn, does that mean that they uh, wasted a target here? Well, I mean, in the sense that all other targets that aren't Dom or Wendell are equal at this point, I, I think anyone was the right target for Dom and Wendell. Um, does it matter to Sebastian? No, I don't think so. Laurel and Donathan at that point, knowing it's not them, I don't think they really care because, it, if they actually did decide to flip at the next vote, 
all they have to do is go to the other side and say like, hey, you need us, we need you. You don't necessarily need to have a bond with that group, which is what I was getting at earlier. Like you have common interests. You know, does it matter if that person is Chelsea, if it's Angela, if it's Kellen, if it's Sebastian? No, because you all need to vote the same way. So who cares how tight you might be? Yeah, I, I think the reasoning they gave was bang on. And as you know, you were saying, uh, a lot of people structure who their target is uh, based on who can beat them. And as you say, nobody. Nobody can beat them except each other. So in terms of who do I want to not go to the end against, the answer is it doesn't matter if you're Dominic or Wendell. It, it truly doesn't matter amongst any of these vote targets. But where Chelsea could become a problem is maybe she wins an immunity that you need to. Uh, and yep. of the group so far, she seems most likely to win the immunity, not just because she's won twice, but she's, you know, finished near the top in a lot of challenges, including this last one. So yeah, the biggest threat to them now is getting to the end. It's not about the end. The end doesn't matter. Uh, you've got it. You just need to make sure you get there. So yeah, I mean, immunity threats is the right way to go. So sure. Why not Chelsea? <laughs> and Chelsea didn't have the uh, advantage that Wendell did, which was that <laughs> Wendell got to take a second shot at that challenge after having blown it. You may recall, as they showed in the flashback, that Malcolm once upon a time had that exact same advantage. So it's time for some relic relitigation. This is the most ridiculous one I think we've had to do all season. Yes. Way to go, Malcolm, for having shaky hands. Right. Do you have anything at all to say about Malcolm's advantage that was quote-unquote Curse. Uh, in terms of cursing, uh, it's curse. In terms of, you know, Malcolm playing it well or not. No, no, of course not. It's just he didn't win a challenge. I will say the one thing about this specific one is, um, usually, uh, getting, uh, an advantage in a challenge is a good thing, right? Usually it is paid off for the person who gets it. They, I think more often than not, and I'll need somebody to run the numbers. Pittman, if you still listen to us, help us out. Um, uh, that person wins more often than they doesn't. I think now with these two, and obviously two isn't a huge statistical database to build from, I think this challenge might be one that it doesn't matter that much. I mean, certainly it's nice to, you know, to not get eliminated when you first go, but once you start again, everybody's starting from the same point. It's not like you get like an advantage of like, I didn't have to hold the heavier part of the rope as long, or I get to skip a portion of a multi-stage uh, challenge. Right. This is basically if the ball rolls off, everybody resets. So once you start again, you're starting from zero just like everybody else. So it's not the same level of advantage. In fact, maybe it makes it the right level of advantage in terms of not guaranteeing a win. But to suggest that Malcolm screwed up because he, you know, the extra shot gave, you know, you know, should have given him the win. Not really. If you're not good at this, you're not good at this. It doesn't matter, really. Exactly. That, that's what I was going to get at is that, you know, I don't think a second chance is useful at something you suck at. You know, if I'm a terrible three-point shooter, you can give me 10 shots or you can give me 20 shots. I'm still probably going to miss almost all of them. I don't suddenly become a better three-point shooter because you gave me more shots. Yeah, and it's just like, even in this one, like, if you give it, if Donathan had a second chance, I've been good, like, he was proved good at it. But it doesn't necessarily make him any more likely to win than Dominic because they both get to rest and reset. It's like a second chance for everybody. Yeah. I think uh Rob Sestrino had the best uh, comment about this, and it, it was that it, if you think the uh, advantage was cursed, check out what happened to the guy that won that challenge. Bravo, Rob Sestrino. Well played, sir. Uh, all right. Um, so that's uh, the episode, I guess. I mean, is there anybody else we need to talk about? Absolutely not. 
No, not even a little bit. Uh, so let's look ahead to next week. You know what? Last week, I did the first prediction, and I stole it from you. So allow me, sir, to tee it up. Who do you have? Oh, thank you so much. I, I think it's actually happened more than once this season that you've stolen my prediction almost verbatim. So I'm excited. Except this time, I didn't have like it locked and loaded, and I was so totally convinced, as I had previously. actually went back and forth on this one a little bit, because this actually could be a surprise vote in some way. But I'm going to go the Laurel route, and I'm going to play it safe. And I'm just going to pick Kellen and keep predicting Kellen until it happens. This vote is kind of like predicting which red shirt is going to get killed off. Like, they're all fodder. Just determine which one goes. There's like a very, very small chance it could be Dominic or Wendell. And I think if it is one of those two, it's Wendell. But it's exceedingly small. I think this one is Kellen, Sebastian, Angela, someone. And then going into the finale, maybe somehow Dominic or Wendell, and again, probably Wendell, goes home before Final Travel Council. But it ain't happening here. Yeah, I think it's Kellen as well. I'm going to roll that one over, not just to do the, you know, roll over and tell him right thing, because uh, I bailed on that this time uh, before I got Bradley. <laughs> uh, but more is just, uh, she now, I think, has proven that she will be a bigger threat, you know. They've now seen her vote against them, right? The votes came twice now that they voted ways that, you know, she voted ways that the dominant alliance was not expecting. Uh, you got to put a stop to that. So unless she wins the immunity, obviously that's always the, uh, the possibility. Uh, yeah. She's the biggest threat to their continued survival in this game and uh, get gone. All right. That was easy. Uh, I like that. We somehow end up with the same predictions every time. Now, why is this a thing? Um, so let's do some plugs. Website is of course, purplerockpodcast.com. We have live blogs there. We do fantasy games, blah, 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 all the stuff that you already know. We've actually also had some recent content done by some other people that aren't staff members or, and one that is, um, Barbara Anderson did some stuff for us. Blurry Denzel did some work for us. Kemper Boyd is now doing Survivor New Zealand posts for us. And Mark filled in for the live blog this week. Look at the JV stepping up for us. Bravo, guys. You know, there was supposed to be a section where we thank them and you still have to be like, yeah, but you're not us type type thing. That was, that was nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fitting with the brand of this podcast to, to not give too much praise. And also I think it's an, you know, important reminder, especially in these recent turbulent times that, you know, I'm not the only asshole on this podcast. We like to spread the wealth around there in this department. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Purple Rock Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Purple Rock Andy. And if you like a clean Twitter feed, uh, but still like to increase your uh, following count, you can follow Purple Rock John. Yes, you can. Anything else, Andy? Little ghost, little ghost, what I'm scared of most. Can you scare me up a little bit of love? I'm the only one that sees you and I can't be much to please you And it's not your time to meet the Lord above